Hi everyone, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. You know, one of the biggest questions I get on the show is what exactly goes into a business exit plan and when should I start creating mine? Well, I always tell people that the best time to start was five years ago, but the next best time is now because you never know when you might need it. So we put together a free report that describes what an exit plan is and what you should know. You can get it free by texting EXIT PLAN with no spaces to 44222. That's EXIT PLAN to 44222. Again, text EXIT PLAN to 44222. Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach tip of the day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me once again today. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you with us, and uh, it's always fun to have repeat guests. And today uh, is no exception. You're in luck. We're going to learn about some new changes in the laws for 2019 from expert Cynthia Flynn. She's an attorney and a partner with Hackler Flynn & Associates based in Los Angeles. And she's also a Vistage member and a Provisors member. And, uh, and speaks to Vistage groups about these very topics. So we're going to be talking about employment law. Now, if you're a business owner, you likely have employees. You need to know that there have been some changes, especially here in the great state of California, uh, effective January 1st of 2019. And Cindy's going to cover all those. So, Cindy, welcome back. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Bill. Thank you for inviting me back. Well, uh, thanks for making time. I understand you're very busy these days getting the word out about all these changes. As a matter of fact, you you told me you just came from a, a giving a speech just a few minutes ago to a business owner group. And, uh, it, you know, it's always good to keep on top of these changes, so I'm glad we can get the word out to our listeners, and I appreciate you helping us. Before we get into that, could you please give us a little bit of background about um, Hackler Flynn & Associates and yourself and again, what your firm's all about. Yes, of course. So um, when I was a kid, my parents ran a small business, and uh, it was a printing business called Gap Printing. G was for Glenn, my dad. A was for Angie, my mom, and T was for printing. And through, uh, they ran this business through the 80s, and as a kid, I would go in and staple papers and fold brochures and make sure the stationery went out and all of the things in order to help them. And I truly got to see firsthand what it was like to run a business from the inside and what it was like to have employees and what it was like to have employees who had issues. <laughs> um, and, you know, over the years of my parents running their printing company, they had a number of employment issues, um, which unfortunately for them ended in bankruptcy and divorce. So I knew pretty early on I wanted to be an employment lawyer, focusing on helping business owners. Uh, when I was in high school, I got a job at an employment law firm. I ended up being there eight years through you know, college and law school, and then got out, worked for a couple different firms, and then started my own practice. And I've grown it to seven attorneys, four support staff, and we focus solely on protecting and defending business owners um, in employment, in the employment area. That's great. Well, it, you know, it's, it's always uh, interesting when we hear stories of 
of young people who figure out what they want to do early on and they get that extra uh, benefit of all those years of kind of the focus of of, of learning that, staying with that, and, and becoming quite an expert. And you are certainly regarded as an expert in the circles that I run in, uh, in provisors as far as uh, helping business owners to protect themselves. And as you said uh, earlier, things are always changing in this field. It's an interesting field because it involves uh, the law and people and their needs. And uh, sometimes... Uh, employees act badly and sometimes employers act badly so i think you'll you'll have job security the rest of your life should you choose to stay stay in this field and that's a good thing that so, is cindy, true <laughs> cindy what are some of the new laws that that have gone into effect as of january 1st of 2019 one of the biggest changes has to do with the sexual harassment training and i think this has a lot to do with uh, the Me Too movement, which was heavily started about a year and a half ago. And um, the law says now that if you have just five or more employees, you have to provide sexual harassment training. And uh, the law previously was 50 or more employees. So wow. it's now, yeah, it's a big change. It's, you know, really affecting a lot of small businesses. And for those businesses who you know, the owner is on payroll and they have just four people working for them, that counts as a five-person employee company. And um, and so that's a big change. And then the other big change regarding the sexual harassment training is that prior to January 1st of this year, 2019, you know, it was just managers who had to go through this training. Now it is um, everybody in the company, managers, or supervisors and non-supervisory uh, employees. Um, so All everyone employees. has to go through the train. All employees, yes, including owners. <laughs> including if they are on and payroll, they count as an employee. <laughs> what's the what's the amount of time they have to spend on the topic, and what's the timing by which they have to have completed it? Great question. So it's. It's still two hours for managers, and it's just one hour for non-supervisory positions. And um, we have all year to get compliance, so if you haven't been doing this, it's okay. But you have to be compliant by January 1st of 2020. And, um, and then keep up that compliance and provide the trainings every two years. Now, one caveat years, I do okay. want to mention, yes, one thing I do want to mention is if you have seasonal employees or temporary employees, uh, if your business fluctuates with those types of employees, they also have to go through the training. And the requirement for them is within the first 30 days or first 100 hours worked. Oh, so, okay. There's the, there's the really snag right there, right? Yes, yes. Exactly. Because, because a lot of, of a lot of <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of smaller businesses, and again, from fifty to five employees, explodes the number of 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 companies that are now subject to this training. It just blows it off the charts, right? I mean, there right. th there are a lot of fifty plus employee companies out there, but there are a huge number of five plus employee companies, and so the problem with that is they have to start keeping track. Of, for instance, what happens if an, a lot of these companies have high turnover, their minimum wage jobs or whatever? What happens if somebody comes in and quits, um, say, uh, before they get that training? What, what are the consequences of something like that? 
Well, as long as you're within the time frame. So if they were a permanent employee or, you know, you thought they were going to be a permanent employee and they'd only been there a week, then you're, you're not liable. But if it is a permanent employee and they've been there seven, eight months, then the business is liable for not providing that training. And where it really becomes an issue is if, you know, some sort of um, sexual harassment case within the company is, is claimed by an employee and they haven't gone through that training. It just really exasperates any damage that, is, um, that the business is liable for. So what, what's, your, what's the best advice for someone? Obviously, if they're a, a part-time seasonal employee, within the first 30 days you're going to capture them. But for a lot of employers, they might say, oh, I'll put this off. You know, things are busy right now. I'll put this off towards the end of the year. Uh, are they setting themselves up for potential issues? Should they get this out of the way, kind of ASAP? You know, we're, we're actually recommending that it's okay to do towards the end of this year as long as it gets done before January 1st. So if you want to save on some costs, it's nothing you have to rush out today and do, but plan for third quarter to have this training done and completed for all of your employees. That way, um, it, at least right now, it'll be on your radar, you know, And but once third quarter hits, I mean, make sure you get it done <laughs> no later than fourth quarter, but you do have all year to get compliant. And then and then build it in a regular practice as part of your hiring routine. Okay, so we've all seen uh, the TV show The Office where they do kind of a joking thing about, you know, sexu- any, any kind of thing on The Office is a joke, but where, you know, they're yeah. all in the conference room and they're going through this sexual training and uh, sexual harassment training, excuse me. And um, so... Uh, this is no joke. This is this is a serious matter. Um, what kind of certification do they have to provide, and who has to do the course? Is it a formal course? Is it is it um, self study? What what kind of course has to be uh, proven to the state? Yes. So the the course has to be done by either an attorney or someone who is certified. And um, and it cannot be just a video that you put on for an hour for a new employee. The requirement is is that it has to be interactive. So it can't just be passive, something you watch while you're doing other things. Um, it's got to be uh, something that engages the employee. And um, for for depending on the type of company that you are and how many employees you have, we can do a webinar or we can come in and do the training in person. It also depends on the type of industry you're in and what makes more sense for the specific business, such as if you have a lot of um, more low-income earners working for your company, we generally recommend to do the training in person. If you have a bunch of professionals, then a webinar works just fine. So it's kind of specific um, on what we would recommend based on what the company's needs are. Excellent. Okay. And my last question on, on the topic is, what are the consequences for noncompliance? So that, that's a great question, too. And um, if the major exposure of liability isn't the fine that you're going to get for not being in compliance from the state. It comes down to if a litigation case occurs or if somebody makes a claim within the company of a sexual harassment claim, 
um, and a lawsuit gets filed, that's really where the damages can can exponentially expand because it's on the business. You know, there are different, there are a little bit different standards. You know, severe, pervasive, um, but that standard has just dropped with regard to um, sexual harassment lawsuits. Uh, depending on who's filing, but there's also the standard of new or should have known. And um, if employees are not properly trained, then the burden, of course, is on the employer. Um, so, you know, a small case and maybe something that was a one-time comment could turn into, you know, a pretty costly lawsuit for the employer, plus attorney season and costs for the prevailing party um, sh- well, not just the prevailing party, but if the employee were to be successful in a lawsuit against the employer. Excellent information. And again, uh, we're just talking about one of the changes that have occurred uh, since January 1st, right? So we better move on. I'm sure there are others. What are some of the other major things that our audience needs to know about? Another big one is with regard to um, job applicants. So if your company is currently hiring, there are two things I wanted to bring up here. Um, One has been around in LA for a number of years. It came out in March 2016 and it talked about, or it was called ban the box, where you can no longer ask um, a potential job applicant for their criminal history without making a conditional job offer. And that was recently, you know, started in in Los Angeles, but it's now been expanded to California, known as the Fair Chance Act. And and this prohibits an employer from asking a potential job candidate or a job candidate um, their prior conviction history without making the conditional job offer. So I see something to keep in mind. You you have to. Be very careful there about um, maybe uh, you better revise, have your forms revised if you have a form-based uh, application, right, to, to make sure it doesn't right. ask that. Um, and, uh, okay, uh, I have a feeling there are a lot of other changes, so what, what else can you tell us? <laughs> the other one I wanted to make sure we talked about was the um, um, salary Uh, expectations and prior salary history so you can no longer ask a job candidate what they what they made at a prior company or you know what they made at the last three companies that they worked for that is not allowed Um, what you can ask though and what the law clarified this year is that you can ask uh, what what would you like to make here or what are your salary expectations for working here and and that is allowed. Um, you just want to be very careful on how it's phrased. If the candidate does, you know, volunteer any information about, well, I was making, you know, X amount at my last job, then that's fine. You don't have to, like, cover your ears or anything like that. But you mm-hmm. want to document it in your notes or whoever in your company is in charge of hiring that they volunteered this information and that, you know, clearly you did not ask for it. Um and then just one other little piece on this as well is that if a job applicant asks, what does this position pay, you are required to give them a pay scale range. So you can't okay. just say, oh, depends on experience. Um, you have to give a specific pay scale range of what your expected position. 
at, at what point are you required to give that? Is it is if what if someone calls in and you have a brief conversation with them if and they ask at that point, is it at any point or is it the point that you're yes. you're interviewing them? Yes, it's after the initial interview has been completed. Mm-hmm. So if someone's just calling a bunch of businesses asking, well, what does this pay? What does this pay? You know, <laughs> that would not count. But once they've completed the initial job uh, interview, um, you know, and we do recommend a several-step interview process, you know, <laughs> don't hire somebody yeah. after just one interview, but dig, dig into it a little bit more, invest in them a little bit. And uh, make sure that the person you're hiring is a good candidate for the company for hopefully long term. I I know we laugh about that, but it is a tight job market, and uh, employees Mm -hmm. are are behaving differently than I think they have in the past. They're not afraid to ask up front because they don't want to waste their time. Uh, uh, So Mm -hmm. are there there other changes we should talk about, or, or are these the major ones that you wanted to cover today? Those are really the major ones. Um, there was a clarification for uh, lactation accommodations that employers need to make for any employee who, um, you know, recently had an infant. And um, the standard is, you know, that you can you don't you can't require somebody to sit in a bathroom stall. You have to put up something, you know, private for them to take care of what they need to do in order to uh, breastfeed because California, I think, feels that it's it's an important thing for newborns and new moms. Um, and so that that was one of the changes as well. Not not as important as the other ones we've talked about, but something I did want to mention that you don't have to have a specific room. It can be a temporary location, but you do have to make reasonable accommodations for, for um, new mothers. And that goes for any business with one employee. Don't cover that right oh okay <laughs> boy okay yeah. I was just gonna ask is, yeah, is that because some of these changes may, they seem small but if you're not in compliance it, it can be it can be a problem and it could be costly to retrofit in some cases your your facilities for instance in, in that kind of a situation it's just an expense but you know a lot of small businesses work on a razor thin margin as it is and now we're talking about um, training um, and being sure you know, being sure you you hire correctly. Uh, mm-hmm. th- there are a lot of changes, and this coupled with our, our last interview, Cindy, which was terrific. Uh, you, you know, there are a lot of reasons why someone needs to have someone on their team, like your firm, Hackler Flynn and Associates. And it's it's very important that you have someone you can trust and call on. And uh, and I know one of the ways that you help is that you get out and you talk about these issues as we mentioned the, at the top of the of the interview, with groups like, uh, with business owner groups like Vistage, you're a Vistage member and speaker. Uh, you're a Provisors member, which means you're well-networked. Uh, uh, so uh, it sounds like you're getting a lot of requests to talk about these issues where someone can say, learn about this in, uh, in a half hour instead of a frantic 20 minutes like this. <laughs> yes, my speech this morning to business owners was about two hours. <laughs> two hours, so okay. Well, ah, <laughs> the luxury of time. <laughs> yes, yes. So lots but, of new changes, and but it's fun. Well, I, you're welcome back at any time, of course, to to 
expand on this, but you've covered three, actually four very important points this morning, and I really appreciate it because our listeners need to know this stuff. You know, most of our listeners are, are small business owners that have their heads down. They may not have heard about some of these things, and this may be their best their best chance to, to learn about this. However, uh, I, I recommend that you call uh, Cynthia Flynn at Hackler Flynn & Associates and uh, Cindy, what's the best number for them to reach, or is it better to check out your website, or tell tell our listeners how to get in touch? Sure, my uh, our office line is three two three two four seven seven zero three zero, and then our firm website is www.hacklerflynnlaw.com. And of course, and anyone can email me any questions as well. And my email address is just Cindy, C-I-N-D-Y, at HacklerFlynnLaw.com. And that, uh, your, your URL, your website URL, will be highlighted uh, on the show. So if you're listening to this and you get to the show notes, you'll see uh, uh, a, a highlighted URL. Get in touch. Um, Cindy, you're very gracious with your time. I really appreciate you coming on and helping our listeners understand about these important issues. Thank you so much, and I look forward to the next time that we get to speak. Thank you, Bill. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 